United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. Recent elections in Iraq have proven to be somewhat surprising and I think maybe problematic for some people. Uh, and we are watching very closely as what has been taking place in Iraq is perhaps a movement to more conservatism, but even more disturbing perhaps is the lack of participation. As our next guest writes in a surprise turn, preliminary results from Iraq's May 12th parliamentary vote indicate that a coalition led by controversial cleric Muqtad al-Sadr, a staunch opponent of both U.S. and Iranian influence in Iraq, won the most seats. With about 90% of ballots counted, incumbent Prime Minister Haider al-Abadi's coalition is in third, slightly behind a ticket led by Haider al-Amari, who is viewed as Iran's preferred candidate. Let's talk a little bit more about this with the author of that, Sarhang Hamasaid, who is director of Middle East programs at the United States Institute of Peace and is tweeting at Sarhang Asalar. Sarhang, thank you for joining us once again on POTUS. I appreciate you being here. Sure. Thank you for having me back. We, uh, I'm watching this, obviously, this, this came as a surprise to many people. Was it a surprise to you? Uh, no, actually. Uh, for, the, for me, following Iraq closely and uh, having been there on the ground uh, in February and, and March again this year, um, it was, uh, I mean, the biggest surprise for the West was that Prime Minister uh, Abadi did not do better. And even then, there were signs and indicators that uh, he would not do as well as the international community and others uh, in the region hoped uh, for. And a second term would not be guaranteed. Probably a bit more shocking surprise uh, to uh, those who were monitoring the elections was actually that Muqtad al-Sadr, uh, did better. And that surprise is coming from, again, Abadi not being that person. And second, Muqtada Sadr being in the memory of uh, the Americans and others uh, who followed Iraq as a militia leader leading the Jaysh al-Mahdi about 14 years ago uh, and uh, being accused of, uh, 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 that militia being accused of fighting against the U.S. forces on the ground and uh, being involved in sectarian fighting uh, against the Sunnis. Uh, but what many people did not track over the years is that uh, under pressure from the Iraqi government and with support from the United States, Muqtad al-Sadr gave his militia uh, up and uh, became a member of the uh, political uh, class in Iraq and supported uh, different lists in the, the previous Iraqi elections. And in the past couple of years, he has uh, rebranded and reinvented himself as a reformist leader. Uh, there are those who believe him and there are skeptics as well. You note in your piece that uh, the uh, that Muqtad al-Sadr is not only an opponent of the United States, but also of Iranian influence. So would you consider him a nationalist or would you consider him a uh, what, what do you how would you characterize his potential leadership? Well, he definitely cast himself uh, for many uh, in the, of the Shia base uh, of Iraq as an Arab nationalist, uh, an Iraqi uh, who wants to be out of the control of uh, Iran. And uh, he has, in the past uh, three or four years, um, uh, also uh, attracted support and uh, partners uh, from the Sunni uh, communities, the Sunni Arabs of Iraq. Uh, so uh, he has allied with uh, non-governmental actors, many in the public, and the secularist forces, uh, communist forces, uh, who... Uh, demanded the reform uh, from the Iraqi government and asked for better services and better jobs. 
so th- this coalition was in um, in full display well before the elections on the streets of Baghdad, where Muqtada Sadr participated in public sit-ins, um, and uh, that basically uh, increased his credentials that he's someone who is for reform and he is for uh, an Iraqi uh, state that is not controlled uh, by external powers, including Iran. Obviously, his history of a militia leader and strong ties with Iran, uh, again, keeps doubts and uh, 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 over his true intentions. But I mean, from the many Iraqis I have spoken with across the diversity of Iraq's community, they believe him. Once again, we are speaking with Sahang Hama Saeed, who is Director of Middle East Programs at the United States Institute of Peace. Talk about the low turnout, 44.5%. You say that indicates that many Iraqis lost faith in their political class and that the electoral process could bring new leaders and change to the government and their lives. Are, are people not happy with the leadership, or are they? is this a concern of yours that perhaps the whole process is, is in danger of collapsing? Um, and there are two uh, two sides to this. Uh, one is that historically, post 2003, the uh, Iraqi uh, public uh, uh, has been asking the political class for improvements in, ele- uh, in, in security, in providing services, in jobs, and, and fighting corruption. And they feel that government after government, they have failed uh, uh, on delivering or the, on these demands and, and demands that became. Uh, uh, promises in previous elections and the political class did not deliver on those. So for many people, um, um, they see security problematic. They saw the rise of the terrorist organization, the Islamic State. They've seen uh, the Kurdistan region uh, trying to break away through a a, a referendum um, for independence. They see that services in the south of the country are not uh, well where they need to be. The people felt that, okay, you go out, they go out and vote and they, they get promises from the politicians. But once they are in, the government, in government, they do not deliver on those promises and they see results that are on the opposite. The second uh, piece uh, to that is that they feel uh, even the, 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 at the end of the day, even some candidates change. At the end of the day, that probably about a dozen uh, political leaders and parties remain in power. So there is no real change uh, as they saw it. So when I was there again uh, earlier this year and last year, uh, we have we've seen mixed indicators. Um, uh, for the most part, the civil society uh, of Iraq, the non-governmental uh, uh, leaders, the community leaders were saying uh, turnout will be low uh, because we, we have, don't have faith that there will be change. The politi- people in the political class uh, were saying, no, this is different. We are presenting new candidates. Uh, we heard the message and we will act differently. Uh, but I, I, I mean, the, the, the election day, I think the, pub, the, the people have spoken, uh, uh, more than 50 percent did not participate. And that's a strong message uh, to say that they don't have faith in the political uh, class, political process. Uh, also, there are accusations of, uh, of fraud uh, that, that are being uh, investigated right now. Uh, if the two, uh, if the next government, uh, when formed, uh, does not deliver on the demands of the people, and uh, these accusations of fraud are not um, uh, are not dealt with seriously, it could bring the political process into serious trouble because people lose faith that change could come through peaceful means. We are nearly out of time, but I did want to ask this question. You mentioned that uh, Iran, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, the United States all have 
the interest of preserving the territorial integrity of Iraq, prevent the rise of the Islamic State or a similar group again. However, key points of divergence remain. Iran wants an Iraq that's weak. Saudis want Iraq out of Iran's sphere of influence. And U.S. wants to see Iraq stronger. Is Iraq in a better position now for any one of those three compared to what it was under Saddam Hussein? Uh, I, I think uh, it is better uh, than uh, compared under Saddam Hussein because under Saddam Hussein, Iraq was a, was a danger to Iran. Eight-year-long war in the 1980s was a danger to the to Saudi Arabia uh, because after the invasion of Kuwait in 1990 and uh, also a danger to regional stability uh, from the perspective of the United States and also Turkey. So Iraq is in a better place, but none of these actors like the, the, how Iraq internally is shaping up in terms of instability. So I think I, for seeing the Iraqi energy and the people, I see a strong desire from the Iraqi people that they want a different future. Uh, I, therefore, the continued engagement of the United States and the regional actors in a positive way uh, for the government of Iraq to form and deliver on security and economic uh, needs of the people it will be critical uh, for uh, Iraq to be a stable, uh, a stable government, not a place for terrorism, and not a danger to its neighbors. Sarhan, as always, I appreciate your spending time with us today. Thanks so much for your perspective. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Sarhan Hamasaid, who is Director of Middle East Programs at the United States Institute of Peace, putting in perspective the recent elections in Iraq, what happens next, and what to draw from it. You can read what he's been writing online. You can also tweet to him at Sarhang Salar at S-A-R-H-A-N-G-S-A-L-A-R. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.